listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. In the title, I'm going to give you seven powerful reasons uh, today why we need to fast and pray. And as you know, obviously, uh, we're jumping into the new year tomorrow. Today's New Year's Eve. And um, the whole body of Christ, I mean, many, many, many believers in the body are beginning a fast for the beginning of the year as we do every year. And um, so I wanted to kind of take this week to teach on why it's important to fast and pray. I realize that there are many, um, many Christians that never have done it at all. And uh, I'm glad that more and more people are doing it than ever before. But I wanted to kind of take the time to teach on why it's so important, what it is, you know, to fast and pray how to do it properly. And yesterday, if you missed the broadcast, um, I did the entire uh, broadcast on how to fast the Bible way, uh, what the Bible teaches on how we should fast as believers. Good morning, Bonnie, Cindy, and Letty, Marquise, good to see you. Um, And so as you saw today, I'm going to talk about seven powerful reasons why we should fast uh, from the word of God. And these are eye-opening. I don't think many people uh, see these often. And of course, uh, when a lot of people teach on fasting, one of the only things they ever say about it is that it's, you know, it's there to really put your flesh under. And that's a lot of times, as far as many people go in talking about fasting, that, you know, it's there to just crucify the flesh, but it's more than that. It's much more than that. And that's why we're taking this week to teach on fasting and prayer. And then of course, beginning on the second, which what today's Tuesday, Wednesday, so that's the third. So Thursday. So beginning on this Thursday, we're starting our 21 days of fasting and prayer. And, uh, if you didn't see that ad yesterday, we're spending the second of January through the 22nd, that's 21 days of fasting and prayer. And we're believing God for violent increase and expedited favor in the year of 2020. And, um, one of the things that I've been saying and, and kind of speaking by faith over everybody that's joined us is that I'm believing that 2020 is going to be a year where God so quickly fulfills what we're praying for that by June the 30th, halfway through the year, all of our answers will have already come and all of our goals will already be met. And we'll have to actually spend more time in prayer to receive new direction, new goals uh, from the Lord for the second half of the year. I believe that what it used to take uh, an entire year to accomplish that we'll see happen uh, in six months and some even faster than that. And that says, is it bad that I'm eating bacon, egg and cheese while watching this? It's not bad. We're not on the fast yet. Uh, I love you, Matt. And good morning, Mark. And so it is, it is so very important, but I'm believing God's going to work so quickly in your life, so quickly in your ministry, in your business, in your family, that it's going to blow the minds of people that are watching from the outside. And that's actually a scriptural thing. You know, if, if you've never heard me, good morning, Kristen, if you've never heard me read that verse of scripture to you, it's found in the book of Psalms and it's Psalm 126. And it's actually the Psalm where they're talking about when God brought his people out of bondage and how quickly they came into freedom and then 
how amazing it was that other nations looked at them and had to admit that it was the Lord that blessed them. And they said it this way, that um, when, when God turned the captivity of Zion, they felt like they were dreaming. And they said, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing and it was set among the heathen, one translation says, or one, one says the nations, but the nations didn't serve the Lord. So they were heathen. It was set among the heathen. The Lord has done great things for them. And that's what I'm believing for you, that in this new year of 2020, God will move so swiftly in your life. He'll move so quickly and, and violently in your life that people who don't even serve him will look at you and say, man, that had to be God for that to happen. They will literally testify on your behalf that God is working in your life and it'll be seen by all. And so that that's what we're praying and believing God for. Um, you know, it's funny in the Old Testament, by the way, if you're logging on, welcome to the broadcast this morning. Take a minute and share this as a very, very important week as we're prepping ourselves for 2020, prepping ourselves for what God has for us in this new year. And fasting and prayer, by the way, is the way to prep yourself for what God's going to do. And I'll explain that momentarily. But it's funny, I was looking at the Old Testament in the uh, story of David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. That's found in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And, uh, and, and David, as he's bringing the ark back, as you know, they have it on an ox cart and the cart shakes and the oxen stumbles and the ark looks like it's going to fall off. And even though God had commanded them, no one touch the ark with your hands. It was to be carried by poles. Uh, a man reached out named Uzzah and touched it and was struck dead by the power of God. And so David left the ark of the covenant in Gath, where Goliath was from. He left it in the city of Gath um, with a man named Obed-Edom. And it stayed in that man's house for three months, the Bible says. And uh, J David went back to Jerusalem. Well, David gets a message from one of his couriers. After three months, he went and checked on Obed-Edom's house with the Ark of the Covenant. He said, he's so blessed. Everything in his house is blessed. His family is blessed. In fact, if you read this in two different passages, one's found in, sec in 2 Samuel, the other's found in uh, 2 Chronicles. And he says, uh, he's so blessed. His entire household is blessed. And then in Chronicles, it says, and all of his, everything he has, all of his possessions are blessed. And that man, just by guarding the anointing of God, by hosting the anointing of God in three months, God accelerated his entire life, his entire household, his family, his servants, his possessions. And in just three months, in an Old Testament setting, that man's life blew up to the next level because he, with honor, regarded the anointing and hosted the anointing in his home. And that's what we're doing. We're in, the, in this time that we're getting ready to spend in fasting and prayer, we are honoring and regarding the anointing of God in our homes, in our lives, in our spirits and with our families. We're putting God first over everything else. And it's a perfect time of the year to do that because as we're going into this new year, we're in the very first part of the year, the very first days of a new year. And we're giving those days to God. We're giving those days in the anointing uh, in dedication to the kingdom and fasting and prayer. And that's why it's so very important. So if you're just logging on, if you haven't seen the ad, um, January the 2nd, through the 22nd, that's 21 days of fasting 
and prayer, believing God for violent increase, expedited favor in our lives, families, ministries. And uh, yesterday, we talked about um, the fact that, you know, I understand maybe no, nobody's, there's people that are watching, you've never fasted before. So it's important to take, do something through these 21 days. You may not do a total fast for your first time for 21 days, but do something. If you're going to do 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and then have one meal at the end of the day, you know, spend some time doing that, do that. Uh, but spend at least, spend time throughout the 21 days. Take certain days where you do fast totally. You know, if you've never fasted before, maybe do three days of a total fast. And then if you've got to go to six to six or do seven days and then go six to six, but do something to honor God in this time of fasting and prayer. And uh, for those of us that are doing it and have done it, we're spending the entire 21 days eating no food and just drinking liquids and praying and taking time to spend time in the word of God, getting fresh revelation from the Lord and preparing ourselves for what God has in 2020. So it's so important. And I made this yesterday, made this point that if you're going to join us and if you're going to be part of the, what the body of Christ is doing on this 21 days of fasting, uh, it's important that you pray because fasting by itself is just starving. <laughs> fasting by itself is just a hunger strike. But what fasting is supposed to do is supplement your prayer life. Fasting needs to supplement your prayer life. And uh, I used this quote yesterday, and I believe it. Um, Bishop David Oyedepo said one time, I'll never forget it. He said, you know, if you're fasting and you're not praying for at least an hour a day, you might as well eat something because you're not pressing into the, the anointing during your fast. You know, uh, the time that you're fasting, you're not supposed to sleep that time away and, you know, binge watch shows to get that time over with and, you know, all these other things people do. It's a time to focus on the things of God. And so spend time reading the word of God. Spend at least an hour praying. And the reason I said that yesterday, it's almost like you can see that as a pattern in the New Testament. Jesus took his disciples out to the garden to pray and came back and said, you couldn't even hang with me for one hour, which shows you Jesus didn't think an hour was a long time. And then during Acts chapter three, the Bible says they went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And so it seems as though uh, that the New Testament church had an hour of prayer where they met daily uh, for an hour of prayer. So it seems like a pretty common common theme throughout the New Testament. And then fasting was very common all through the early church and all the way into decades and, and centuries later. And in fact, if you didn't know this, um, not just the Pharisees, but the Christians themselves uh, historically fasted two days a week and set those days aside on Wednesday and Friday, uh, they took two days a week to fast and to pray. So this is something that's all through the history of the New Testament church. It's found in the word through the Old and New Testament. It's something that we must do. And so today, I'm going to give you seven powerful reasons uh, why we as believers need to fast and pray and why it's so important for us to engage in this while we're doing this. Now, by the way, anybody that's watching, you say, well, I thought we weren't supposed to tell anybody we're fasting. It's supposed to be done in secret. There is a difference uh, between a personal private fast and a corporate public fast. And what we're getting ready to begin is a corporate public fast where the body of Christ is coming together. And this was done in the Bible. You know, entire nations would fast. You know, the nation of Israel, would everyone would fast. Sometimes even the animals and the children would have to fast. 
And so it's not something we're doing right now in secret. This is being done publicly and corporately. We're coming together as the body of Christ to seek the face of God and to get into the anointing together and prepare ourselves for what he's doing. So you know, if, if, uh, and I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're supposed to go to work and, you know, start bragging about it. Can't eat lunch with you guys today. I'm fasting with my church. Like that's not what we're doing, but obviously your, your brothers and sisters in Christ are going to know that you're fasting. And so, uh, it's, it's not like a personal private fast. It's different than that. So don't feel bad if someone knows you're fasting or, you know, finds out you're fasting, it's corporate, it's public, and we're doing it as a family together. And, um, so I want you to know that it's important that you get involved. You know, January the 2nd through the 22nd, you shouldn't be posting food pictures on your Instagram and, you know, what what restaurants you're eating at. It's like, I always think to myself, like, I can't believe that there's people that are Pentecostal cares. They know that the entire body of Christ is literally on a fast, fasting and praying, believing God. And you got people that are like posting their food pictures at their, at their favorite restaurant during, it's like, you know what, if you're going to eat, just eat, but like, keep it to yourself, either get into what, what God's doing or, or just like get out. It's like, it blows my mind. So, I mean, this is not the time to go to your favorite restaurants and, you know, this is a time to seek the face of God. God has a plan to bless you in 2020. He has a plan to increase you in 2020. And uh, we've got to give him, you know what I love? I love the principle in the word where the Bible says that it, that first, if we'll draw near unto him, he'll draw near unto us. The Bible says, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you, the book of James. And so understand God's looking for us to pursue him first. God's looking for our hunger to pursue him first. That's not just New Testament. That's also Old Testament. Draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. So, but in the Old Testament, look what he said to Jeremiah. He said, if you'll search after me with your whole heart, you'll find me. And so it's not something that can be done casually. People don't get blessed casually. If you're going to receive the rewards of heaven, the blessings of God, you've got to go after, diligently go after the presence of God. That's why I read you the verse. Good morning, Ariel, Samson, Pastor Danny, love you. Uh, this, this is why I taught yesterday that it's so important to understand God's nature in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six, the Bible says that, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so it takes a diligent seeking of God to receive the rewards of God. It takes, and I want you to write that in the comments if you're watching, it takes a diligent seeking of God to receive the rewards of God. It takes a diligent seeking of God to receive the rewards of God. And I want you, that's the first thing I want you to write in the comments today because it's its not understood, especially in this generation where the grace message is being so improperly taught throughout the body of Christ that people can just do whatever they want and enter into the blessings of God. It's not in the Bible. It is not in the Bible. The hyper grace message has taken the responsibility off of God's people to seek his face. And as a result, it's actually a destructive force in the body of Christ. That improper understanding of grace has been a destructive force and not a constructive force. Thank you, Mary. It takes a diligence in seeking, a diligent seeking of God to receive the rewards of God. That's exactly right. 
It takes a diligent seeking of God to receive the rewards of God. And so understand this today, then we're looking at the strength and the power of fasting and prayer, and we're giving ourselves to the anointing of God to begin the year, putting ourselves in position to receive the blessings of God. It is our responsibility to draw near unto him first, and then he'll draw near unto us, the Bible says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, first, first, not after you've sought everything else, not after you've done everything you wanted to do and all, no, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. And so it's so very important. There's Pastor Sharon Motley, love you. There's my dad, love you too, dad. And so it's important, that's what we're doing. We're taking the beginning of the year to press into the anointing, prepare and position ourselves to receive from God, and it takes a diligent seeking to receive the rewards. And let me just say this, while we're on the topic of fasting, before I give you the seven, God, Jesus Christ himself wants you to expect to be rewarded for your fasting and prayer. And it's found in Matthew chapter six. And we know that Matthew six, four, uh, or excuse me, uh, go further down here to Matthew chapter six and verse six. Uh, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now go to the uh, chapter six and verse 16. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, they've received their reward. But look at this. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who's in secret and your father who sees it in secret will reward you openly. And so Jesus taught that because he wanted his followers to understand he wants you to expect a reward for fasting and prayer. Everything God does is based on reward. Everything. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you'll seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. That's a reward. Everything God does in his covenant is based on obedience and then reward. Obedience and then reward. Obedience and then reward. And so when he commands us to fast and pray, he doesn't want us to just do it as a religious ritual. No, he wants us to expect a supernatural reward from heaven when we engage in that divine transaction of fasting and prayer. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give uh, today seven powerful reasons why you need to fast, why you must fast and pray. Seven powerful reasons why you must fast and pray. Let's jump into this. Number one, if you guys are watching, if you don't mind putting this into the comments section, every time I give you one of these and then uh, the scripture reference, please put it in the comments uh, so that people can check it out that um, that come on later or watch, watch it uh, after it's done being live and it's, it's archived. Number one, the number one reason why we need to fast and pray is because Jesus commanded us to. The number one reason why every one of us as believers should fast and pray is because Jesus Christ commanded us to fast and pray as his followers. Look at Matthew chapter nine, and I'll start reading with verse 14, and then we'll go on to the end of this section. The disciples of John came to Jesus saying, how come we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Verse 15, and Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests 
mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus is the bridegroom, by the way. No one puts a piece of unshrunken cloth in an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. And then he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is teaching here that the disciples weren't fasting while he was with them, but he said, as soon as I leave them, all of my disciples will fast. All of my disciples will fast. And so as a disciple of Christ, that's every one of us watching that are, are Christians, you're a disciple of Christ. Now that his body has left the earth and he's in heaven preparing a place for us, now he expects us to fast. He expects us to fast. Matthew chapter six, as I just read to you, as he is teaching on fasting, look at this. He says, and when you fast, isn't that interesting how he phrases that Jesus did not say, and if you decide to fast, or Jesus didn't say, you know, if the day ever comes when you, you know, you think you might go into a fast, he said, and when you fast, meaning Jesus assumed that his followers would fast and that they would do it. As I said a moment ago, it ended up being something that was done regularly. And history tells us that every Wednesday and every Friday, not only from the early church, but all through, all, all through early history of the Christian church, uh, that believers fasted two days a week on Wednesday and Friday as a, as a regular practice. And it was something that they understood. Jesus expects us to fast and pray. And so if Jesus commands it, we've got to do it. If Jesus commands it, we've got to do it. We cannot ever decide which of Christ's commands that we're going to obey and which ones we're not going to obey. Well, you know, brother, I don't think fasting's that important in the New Testament. You know, we're under grace and, you know, I don't think, you know, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings and now we have the Holy Ghost. That doesn't matter. Jesus knew all that stuff was coming. Jesus knew. He knew because he said, I'm the one that's going to send you the Holy Spirit. He knew all of that. And Jesus still said, you're to fast and pray. My disciples will fast and pray. You know, it's interesting. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and Jesus fasted and prayed. It, it didn't matter that he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He still fasted and prayed. And so it's important to understand that, that and I'm going to get into that in number two in a moment, but it's a command of Christ. It's an expectation of Christ for his followers that they will fast and pray. If that was all we had, that's enough that Jesus commanded it. But I'm going to show you some powerful things in scripture that are reasons we should continue on in fasting and prayer through our entire lives. Number two, and this is a very, very powerful reason to fast. The second reason to fast, it is the greatest tool to combat temptation. It is the greatest tool we have to combat temptation. Without question, fasting and prayer is the greatest tool that God's given us to fight against the temptations of the devil. And every believer is tempted. Every believer is tempted to displease God, to live in sin, to commit sins, to fall short of the glory of God. Every believer is tempted to do that on a daily basis. But fasting and prayer is the greatest weapon we've been given to fight against temptation. I want you to see this uh, in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus has just been baptized in water by John the Baptist. And the Bible says the heavens opened up 
and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter four and verse one, listen to this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now look at verse two. For 40 days, being tempted of the devil, he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. So let me just give you a side note as well. People say, well, you know, Jesus fast was a supernatural fast. No, it wasn't because he was hungry when he was done. He didn't do it supernaturally. He went up there as a man and fasted and prayed. But notice this, the reason, this is so important. The reason that he was led into this, into the wilderness was to be tempted by the devil. But notice what he did knowing he was going into a time of temptation, fasted and prayed. He fasted and prayed. Fasting and prayer are the greatest tools we've been given to combat temptation in our human lives as believers, fasting and prayer. And Jesus did so. He knew I'm getting ready to be tempted of the devil. And so I'm going to take action, spiritual action to combat temptation, fasting and prayer. And the Bible says when he was done, he came out of the wilderness different than he went in, came out different than he went in. It's interesting too, because temp, uh, uh, prayer and, and fasting, as I've told you, are an element that helps us combat temptation. Jesus said the same thing to his disciples when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, uh, getting ready to pray and prepare himself for what he was to do and found his disciples sleeping when they should have been pressing into the anointing and praying. And in Matthew 26, 41, look what he says to them. Watch and pray so that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see that? In Matthew 26, 41, Jesus told them the same thing. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, what? To please God. But the flesh is weak. The flesh is the thing that tries to take over and fall into temptation and do the things that are pleasing to the flesh. But by fasting, you take the power out of the flesh's hands and put the power into the spirit's hands. And so fasting and prayer are a tool given to us by God to defeat temptation. There's people, and I've seen it work. There's people in the body of Christ. You love the Lord. You go to church, you know, but there's things in your life you can't seem to get free from. You keep falling into that temptation, whatever it might be. You can't stop smoking cigarettes. You can't stop. You fall in and go back and you, you used to drink all the time before you got saved and you're still falling back into seeing getting drunk when you know you shouldn't be getting drunk and you know maybe it's pornography, whatever it might be. Fasting and prayer will break the yoke of bondage that's on your life. Fasting and prayer will break the yoke of bondage that's upon your life. It's the greatest tool to combat temptation in the life of any believer. Because the understand this, the flesh has an appetite. The flesh has an appetite. In fact, I was reading a book not long ago by a man who spent his entire ministry teaching on fasting, and he taught on the subject of the four appetites, the four appetites that your body and your you, you as an individual have. There's the spiritual appetite, which is a good one. You want to have a hunger for spiritual things. But then there's the sexual appetite that humans have. 
And then there's the covetous or the greedy appetite, a, a desire for things that people have. And then finally, there is the appetite for food, which every every human also has. And so all of those things, the three that I listed last, can try to overtake and overrule your life if you don't take control over them by the power of the Spirit. And when you begin to fast, it takes the strength out of those appetites. It Food can't rule you. Sexual desires can't rule you. Greed and covetousness uh, for the things of this world can't rule you. When you fast and pray, it steals power from those other appetites and it adds power to your spiritual appetite to please the Lord. It's the greatest tool given to us by God to defeat temptation. Let's move on quickly. Number three, the third powerful reason we should fast and pray is to manifest spiritual power that's been given to us. To manifest spiritual power that's been given to every believer that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, let me say something to you here that's very important to understand. Every believer that's been filled with the Holy Ghost has been filled with power from on high. Every believer. Every Holy Ghost-filled believer is filled with power from on high. Jesus said so. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, Acts 1.8. And so without question, every Holy Ghost-filled believer is filled with power. But then here's the question. Why is it that not every believer is manifesting the same level of power in their life? Because just because you have power in you doesn't mean you've got the ability to manifest that power outside of you. Um, I'll give you an example. If you were to look at a, a, a river that had a dam, you look at that wall and you look at that, that wall that's holding back all that water from the river. There's so much power and force in the flowing, rushing of that river behind the dam. You know it as well as I do. And many times that dam is keeping towns that are downstream from being washed away. So if you knew all that water power is behind that wall of the dam, now think of the dam as your flesh and think of that water as the power that's in you. That flesh is holding back the power that's on the inside of you. Now just think. If a couple of bricks broke loose in that dam, you know what you're going to see? A small stream of water shooting out from where those bricks disappeared and, and broke out. And so although there's a massive force of water behind that dam, you're only seeing a small stream because that's all of the wall that's been removed. And that's what happens with many believers is that they've only crucified their flesh to a certain small degree. And so the power that's eternal on the inside of them is not able to come out uh, except for that small amount that they've crucified the flesh. But imagine now, imagine if you took a stick of dynamite or, or if you put C4 explosives all over the front of that dam and detonated those explosives and the wall just completely was obliterated, what's going to happen? All that water is going to rush out from where it was being held back and flow down river with a violent force. That's what happens when you fast and pray. It removes the wall of your flesh and allows you to begin to manifest supernatural power. I promise you, it's, it's, it's what was taught in scripture. 
Look at what happened with Jesus. Don't you find it interesting that Jesus was the son of God from the moment he was born? He didn't become the son of God when he was 30 years old. He didn't become the son of God when he was baptized in the Jordan River. He was the son of God, Emmanuel, God with us from the moment he was born. And so don't you find it interesting that Jesus was the son of God for 30 years and never produced one miracle in his entire life? Not one. He went from zero years old to 30 years old with no miracles recorded. But then something changed in his life. What changed? Number one, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He went to the Jordan River, baptized by John, got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then what's the second thing that happened? And don't you find this to be interesting? The very first thing that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to do was fast and pray. The very first thing Jesus was led to do in his ministry was not heal the sick was not cleanse the leper, was not raise the dead, was not preach the gospel. What was the first thing Jesus was led to do? Fast and pray. And the Bible says he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and fasted and prayed for 40 days. Look at this. And in Luke chapter four and verse 14, look at what the Bible says. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. I love that difference. He goes into the wilderness full of the Spirit, comes out of the wilderness full of the power of the Spirit, and then begins to perform miracles, creative miracles. Supernatural things start to happen. Why? Because not only was he filled with the Holy Ghost, he fasted and prayed to crucify that flesh and to begin to operate in supernatural power. I'm telling you that when you fast and pray, you have the ability to manifest the supernatural power that's on the inside of you. There are certain things that just won't move out of your way until you fast and pray. Two parents brought their young son to the disciples. He was possessed with a demon spirit that tried to kill him, throw him in the fire, throw him in the water. And they brought their son to the disciples. And the Bible says, Mark chapter nine, the disciples could not cast the demon out of that boy. Could not do it. And so the parents brought the boy to Jesus. And the Bible says when they brought the boy to Jesus, he cast the demon out without issue. No problem, no sweat, cast the demon out. And when the disciples were confused, they said, Lord, how come we couldn't cast it out? What was his answer in Mark 9, 29? This kind of demon does not come out except by prayer and fasting. This kind of demon does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Why? Because it takes dedication to the kingdom to manifest spiritual power. It just does. Anybody that you go back through history to see that's been a, a, someone who has worked in the miracle power of God throughout history has been a person of fasting and prayer. Jesus was, Paul was, the disciples were, Martin Luther was, John Wesley was, A.A. A. Allen was, Oral Roberts was, T.L. Osborne was. You can go through the list. They were men of fasting and prayer. Smith Wigglesworth was. Any of these men that you go back and see that have been people that have seen the miracle power of God manifested were people of fasting and prayer. People of fasting and prayer. Why? Because it is something commanded by God 
And it's something that crucifies the flesh and allows you to manifest the power of the spirit. It, it, I'm telling you, that, and that's why it's in, the, it's in the scripture commanded in that way. It's why Jesus did it to begin his ministry. It's why he commanded his disciples and talked to them about it. The reason they were failing in certain areas of their ministry, no fasting and prayer. And so understand that if you want to see supernatural power that's in you manifested on the outside of you, fast and pray, fast and pray. Number four, the fourth reason, powerful reason that we need to fast and pray is to be in the flow of God's plan, to be in the flow of God's plan. I want to be in the flow of God's plan for my life. No question I want to be. I want you to look at this. Uh, we're talking about a man named Cornelius. Acts chapter 10. This man was an Italian man. He was a wealthy man. He had blessed the church of God. He had, he had a desire to see the church fl- function and flow. And it was to his home and his people that the gospel came for the first time outside of the Jews. He was the first Gentile. And that was the first Gentile household to experience the gospel and to become Christians. And notice this, that, that you, you cannot come into the kingdom without the gospel being preached to you. So the flow that he needed to get into was the flow God wanted for his home to bring them into the kingdom. But look at this, Acts chapter 10 and uh, verse 30. Listen to what Cornelius said. At four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house. Hallelujah. At the ninth hour, that's about three o'clock in the afternoon. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and uh, said to me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore uh, and ask for Simon who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once. And Peter came. Cornelius and his household could not have been saved, not only saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to think about this because as they were being saved, literally the gospels being preached unto them, they were filled with the Holy Ghost simultaneously. You see that filled with the Holy Ghost simultaneously. I want to read this to you because the the translation I had didn't render it properly. Listen to this. Acts Acts chapter 10, verse 30. And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me. So what happened? It was an angel. But notice what he said. About four days ago, I was fasting until this hour until an angel appeared with a message that put Cornelius in the flow of God's spirit and what he wanted him to do. There's a lot of people that never get into the flow of God's plan because they won't fast and pray. Do you realize? I mean, that's part of the reason we take the beginning of the year to do it, to get God's mind and his purpose for the year. 
of what he wants us to do. Catch the direction of the Lord for the year. Catch the direction of God. Get into the flow like Cornelius did. About four days ago, I was fasting until this hour and a man in white appeared to me, an angel, and gave him a word from God about the flow he needed to be in. Same with me. I want to be in the flow of God. I want to know God's direction and his purpose for my life and I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. And you'll, you'll begin to be directed by the Spirit. Why? It moves the flesh out of the way, connects you to the Spirit of God, and you begin to see things you didn't see before. You begin to hear direction from God that you did not hear before. Did not hear before. Every major milestone of direction in my life, I've prayed and fasted to receive it. Every major milestone in my life, I've prayed and fasted to receive it. Where I was supposed to go to Bible school, I had one plan and then I fasted and prayed about that. See, the mistake we make is just making decisions without asking the Lord. And so I had a plan to just do what all the rest of my family had done. And then I fasted and prayed. And I almost immediately heard the Lord speaking to me about where I was supposed to go, which was different than where I had planned to go. But I got on the flow of what the Lord wanted me to do. After that, when I was supposed to make my next move as to what I was to do next in ministry, I was fasting and praying. February 2003, fasting and praying. And the Lord revealed to me, again, the next major move for my life and for my ministry. And that's when I I ended up moving uh, from West Virginia to Virginia Beach and uh, went on staff with my Uncle Terry Shuttlesworth, Dominion Christian Center. That That was the Holy Ghost directing me. And then again, when it was time again to make the next step, which was to marry Carolyn, I wanted to know that it was right. I wanted to know she was the one. I wanted to know it was God's plan. What did I do? Fasted and prayed. Fasted and prayed from March the 25th through the 27th of 2005. Good Friday through Easter Sunday, I fasted and prayed about my relationship with Carolyn. Is she the one I'm supposed to ask to marry me? And I didn't make a move until I heard the Holy Spirit say yes. If he'd have said no, it'd have been no. But when I heard him say yes, then I went and moved forward with that. That's a major decision, who you marry, major decision. People make those decisions, even in the body of Christ, without fasting and praying. It's a mistake. It's why the divorce rate in the church is you know, nearing where it is in the world. People don't care what the Holy Spirit has to say about their life. You've got to consult the Lord about his plan. Do you know how much student loan debt would be saved by people that are Christians in college if they would just find out God's plan for their life in fasting and prayer instead of having to change their major four times while they're in university and then and then spend all the extra money to stay longer and more student loans and more debt and now they got to work till they're 45 to pay off their debt and then start making any money from for themselves fast and pray we don't tell our children You know, when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be because that's not scriptural. You've got to be what Jesus has called you to be. You've got to be what God's called you to be. And the way to find that out and get into the flow is through fasting and prayer. It's the way to hear the voice of God. Get into the flow through fasting and prayer. And Cornelius said it. He said, I was fasting until the fourth hour and a man appeared to me and gave me instruction. When you fast and pray, you will receive instructions from the Lord. I promise you. And that's why we start the year with it. I need the instructions of God. You need the instructions of God. And as we start 2020 in fasting and prayer, we're believing that as we're fasting, as we're praying, God's gonna speak to us and we're gonna hear his voice clearly 
What are we doing? I'm removing all that veil of the flesh, that carnality that would try to keep me from being in the spirit. I'm removing it and I'm going to press into the anointing and hear the voice of God and hear the instructions of the Holy Spirit and get God's flow and plan for this year. And you can do the same. You can do the exact same. We're staying in the same chapter uh, for number five, Acts chapter 10. And uh, I want you to go back to verses nine through 11. Now, this was a forced fast, what God did through Peter here. He didn't eat, but not because he chose not to. He was in a forced fast through the Lord. Look at this. Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were uh, preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending and being let down by its four corners. And this is where God gave Peter a fresh revelation that no one had ever had before in the history of the world, which was that the gospel is not just for the Jews. The gospel is for the Gentiles as well. Don't call them unclean if I've called them clean. And Peter gained fresh revelation from the Lord. The fifth reason that we should fast and pray is to gain fresh revelation from the word gain fresh revelation from the Lord. He will illuminate his word to you as you fast and pray. I promise you that. I've seen it happen so many times I can't count anymore. I can't count anymore. Gaining fresh revelation of God's word. Did you know the Bible says in Isaiah 58, and I'll touch on this tomorrow, um, in Isaiah, because I'm going to start to talk about the benefits of fasting and prayer, but in Isaiah 58, God talks about his chosen fast. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? But one of the benefits that he talks about is then your light will break forth like the morning. Your light will break forth. Anytime you read about that in scripture, the light, that is revelation knowledge of God's word. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 130. Lord, the entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. Light, it is the revelation knowledge of God's word. The entrance of your word brings light. What is that? Revelation knowledge. And when you fast and pray, according to Isaiah 58, your light will break forth like the morning. You will gain a fresh revelation of God's word, just as Peter did. You'll gain a fresh revelation of God's word. And we need that. We need a greater understanding, a greater revelation of God's word. So number five, as you fast and pray in this year, Begin to believe God for a fresh revelation of God's word, things you've never seen before. Have you ever had that happen to you where you're reading the Bible and you're reading a verse of scripture that maybe you've read a hundred times and all of a sudden something illuminates in your spirit. You've never seen it that way before. It's like, man, I've read that a hundred times. I've never seen that. That's powerful. That is the revelation of the Holy Spirit illuminating his word in your heart and we need it. Because revelation, the knowledge of God's word, what we can see by revelation is what we can hold by manifestation. I want you to pop that in the comments. That what we can see by revelation, we can hold by manifestation. What we can see, we can't benefit from what we don't see or understand. We don't. 
What you don't know, what you don't understand, you can't benefit from. John 8, 32, the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But you got to know it in order for it to set you free. It's not going to just randomly set you free. It can't accidentally set you free. You've got to know the truth. What I see by revelation, I can hold by manifestation. Some of you watching know exactly what I'm talking about. You remember the first time that someone taught you and preached to you about healing. And you're like, man, Jesus isn't just a savior. He's a healer. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to be healed. I can be healed here on the earth by the power of divine healing. That's revelation. You saw something you'd never understood or seen before. And now because you understand it and can have faith for it, you can receive it. What I see by revelation, I can hold by manifestation. What I see by revelation, I can hold by manifestation. And so it's so important to gain revelation knowledge of God's word. And it comes through fasting and prayer. Your light will break forth like the morning and you'll see things you've never seen before. Things you've never seen before. Hallelujah. Let me, let me take you to Romans chapter 12 for number six. Romans chapter 12. I got two more for you before we pray. I love this. We're going to have such a powerful time in fasting and prayer. I'm telling you, it's going to be so powerful. This, this is going to be the greatest year we've ever seen, without question. I mean, stay faithful to the word of the Lord. Stay faithful to the things of God. This is going to be the greatest year that we've ever seen. Violent increase, expedited favor by the power of God. Romans chapter 12, the sixth powerful reason to fast and pray. It positions you in God's will. You're not just in the flow of the spirit, as we talked about with Cornelius, not just in the flow of the spirit, but it positions your life in the will of God. Listen to this, verses one and two of Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind by, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. By the way, that's not uh, listing three different wills of God. It's three adjectives describing one will of God. His will is good. His will is acceptable. His will is perfect. God has one plan for your life. He has a will. He's not double-minded. You can either get involved in what God has planned for you or you can reject it. But God has a plan for your life. Kelly's asking, Brother Ted, is it okay to make a list of what you're believing God for in 2020? Absolutely. It's not just okay, Kelly. It's scriptural. It's not just okay. It's scriptural. The Bible says, write the vision and make it plain upon tablets that they may run that read it. And I would encourage people to make a list of what they're believing God for in 2020 and watch as God fulfills those things as you're faithful to his spirit. But number, number six, this positions you in God's will for your life. As I was talking about a moment ago, it's not just into the flow of the Holy Ghost, but in God's will for your personal life. Present your body as a living sacrifice so that you may enter into what? The will of God. 
that you may discern. There's many people, and I do mean many, that never discern the will of God for their life. Never. They literally float through life, never discerning or understanding the will of God for their life. That's a sad place to be. You do not want to be in a place where you don't know what God wants for you. That's a sad and a dangerous place. We need to know what God wants us to do. We need to know where we're supposed to be. You know, you need to know what you're supposed to be doing with your life. How can you even walk in fulfillment and joy and peace and lo- if you're not in the place God's called you to be? I don't want to wander through life. I want to be where God has called me to be and to see his plan fulfilled in my life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you one more before we pray. Hallelujah. Father, strengthen us. Strengthen us this year to fast and pray, to fulfill your purpose, to fulfill your call upon our lives. In Jesus' name, strengthen us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'll tell you another thing I'm going to do this week as well is I want to be able to give you some um, books that'll help you. And I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm reading some things right now that will help you, but I'm also writing some things <clears throat> that I'm going to release later uh, that will be a massive blessing to you, a massive blessing to you. Um, but they're probably not going to be ready until I would say next year, but it will, it will seriously, seriously bless you. Hallelujah. Go with me in this final one to Joel two twenty eight. Joel chapter two and verse 28. The seventh powerful blessing <clears throat> that fasting brings is that it sparks and brings revival. It sparks and brings revival. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. Listen to this. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female service in those days, I will pour out my spirit. We know this is a prophecy in regards to the coming of the Holy Spirit, but isn't it interesting how it begins? And it shall come to pass afterward. After what? The day of the Lord. And he's telling them to return to the Lord. But look at what he says to them in, uh, Joel chapter two, verses 14 and 15, just verses before this prophecy about revival. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Look at verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast and call a solemn assembly. Consecrate a fast. Now that's what we talked about at the beginning of this uh, teaching today, it's a public fast. It's a corporate fast. Call us. Uh, call a public fast. 
consecrate it and call a solemn assembly and assembly and gather the people. That's what we're doing. We're calling for the people of God to come together in a solemn assembly and consecrating a fast unto God. That's what this next 21 days is all about. And notice that as we call, you know what the Bible says? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then I'll hear from heaven and then I will come and heal their land. Humbling yourself throughout the Bible is actually a sign of fasting. Fasting was a sign of mourning and, and humbling yourself before God. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, fasting and prayer. God said, I'll hear from heaven. I will come and I will heal their land. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, I got so much I can share with you today. I can't. I can't share it all. I'm going to come back. This whole week's about fasting and prayer. But I want you to see this today. Fasting and prayer is more than just crucifying your flesh. It's more than just making your flesh shut up. That's part of it. But there are supernatural benefits attached to fasting and prayer. In fact, let me say to you this way. Fasting and prayer is the fueling station of power for every believer. Fasting and prayer is the fueling station of power for every believer, without question. And I want you to pop that in the comments so that you never forget it. Fasting and prayer is the fueling station of power for every believer. It's what God uses, as I said today, to help us get through temptation and be victorious over it to manifest the power of God, to walk in the flow of the Holy Ghost, to discover the will of God for your life. I mean, you go right through those that I've, and I want you to go back and study. That's why I give you the verses. Just don't believe it because I say it. Study the word of God, you'll find it. There are some things. Now, let me prophesy to you because there are some things that do not move. As I said today, Mark 9, 29, there are some things that do not and will not move in your life until you fast and pray. And I'm telling you, As you get in on this fast and pray at the beginning of this year, I'm telling you, expect those things that have not moved for you in years to quickly move out of your way by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the mighty name of Jesus, get ready for the things that would not move for you in the past to quickly move for you by the power of the Holy Ghost in these next 21 days of fasting and prayer, the second through the 22nd. I'm telling you, get ready. I remember at the very beginning of my ministry, when when we were first starting out before we had any place really to preach or anything like that, I, I can remember as something as simple as this. <clears throat> um, and we were what? I was still in my 20s. And I remember we went in to see our accountant and we were we were applying for uh, our, our charitable tax status in, in the United States for our, uh, our 501c3. And... Um, so that we could give giving receipts to our partners and those that sowed into the ministry for, for tax deduction. And uh, I remember meeting with our, our um, accountant and she was like, well, you know, I, I know you've got the 501c3 and all the thing, things you want to set up. And so we'll fill out the paperwork and everything and we'll submit it. This, this is what she told me. She said, we'll submit it and everything, but you know, it takes a long time to receive any answer for that stuff. And she said, I've got clients uh, right now that have submitted the same paperwork that you're submitting and they've been waiting for two years. Literally, 
That, that That's what she told me. She said, they've been waiting for two years. And she said, the IRS doesn't get back to you. They just, you know, they only let you know if you're, if you're approved or denied. So it's not like you can, you can check on the status of your, of your submission, all that. And so she said, um, you know, we'll submit it, but it's going to be probably a long time before you hear anything back. And, you know, you won't be able to. And so what she was really, uh, in essence, telling Carolyn and I was that although we were beginning our ministry, we wouldn't be able to have the ability to be a nonprofit ministry and to uh, receive our givers and all, I mean, partners, all that stuff. And she basically, she's telling me that there's going to be a, a delay of years in the time that we're going to hear back from the government to do that. And I said, it's, it's not going to happen in Jesus name. It's unacceptable. And I believe that we submitted those papers at the end of August. And, uh, and she said, well, it's going to be years just like my other clients. And she's, she's prepping us, you know, for all that delay. But I, I began to fast and pray. And I said, it's not going to happen for us in Jesus name. We're going to see a quick return, a quick response. And I, I started praying crazy stuff. I said, Lord, I don't care if you've got to have an angel take my, my paperwork and move it from the bottom to the top of the stack so that it's the first thing that they get. And, um, and I start fasting and praying. Of course, the devil tries to make you foolish for, you know, that's just a a standard thing that everybody, you know, it's just, it's just how paperwork goes. It's how business goes and tries to make you feel foolish for believing that God will speed up what you're praying for and the purpose that you're going to stand in. And I can remember we went on preaching. We were on the road for all of the month of of September. And then uh, most of October, I came back, but I started confessing. And it came out of my mouth during fasting and prayer. I said, before November comes to an end, before Thanksgiving comes to an end, we will hold our approval paperwork in our hand in Jesus' name. Before November comes to an end, I begin to confess that and confess that. I came home with Carolyn. I believe it was the middle of October. We It was like something like October 14th or something like that, that we came home, opened up our... Uh, opened up our mailbox and there it was in my hand. Not even two months had passed and approval was in our hand. When others had been waiting for years and years to receive their approval, we fasted and prayed and said, it's coming to pass. It's quickly coming into our hands in Jesus name. And it came into our hands. The power of God will expedite your purpose. He will expedite your purpose. I'm telling you, when I, when I went to hold our crusade, uh, our first crusade ever in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we wanted to do it. They told us they wouldn't give us the land. Uh, and that we had found a perfect place to put the tent up and hold a crusade in that area. And they told us we couldn't have it. It was owned by a corporation that said, well, we don't give our land out for that. You know, maybe we let it out for an afternoon. We had submitted it for eight days. We wanted an eight day crusade. And uh, they were like, no, we don't do that. And so I began to fast and pray. I said, no, we're going to have it. I know this is where God provided us uh, the place to do it. And I, and, I, and I didn't tell them this. I'm, this is what I'm saying in my own spirit. God provided us this location. This is a perfect place to hold a soul winning crusade. And so I went back to them and fasting and prayer. I said, go talk to, t- talk to the board about it again. And so they came back to me and they said, well, uh, we talked it over with the board and uh, we've agreed not to do an afternoon, but we're going to do three days. We'll let you have three days. And I said, no, I didn't say three days. I want eight days. Go back and discuss it again with the board. And I kept fasting and praying. And then they came back to me again for the, the final time. And they said, all right, we're going to give you the land for the full eight days that you're requesting to hold your crusade. And uh, then they added something on to the end, which made me shout. They said, you know what? 
We, we want to get behind what you're doing. We believe in what you're doing to touch the community. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you the land for eight days, and we're not going to charge you $1 to be on our land to hold your crusade. We're giving it to you completely rent-free. Hallelujah. So not only did God expedite his purpose, but God also brought it in as a supernatural blessing to allow us to stand there on the land absolutely free of charge. God paid the bills. How did he do it? Through fasting and prayer. Through fasting and prayer. God will expedite your purpose. And that's what I'm believing. In 2020, violent increase, expedited favor in your life, in your family, in your business, in your ministry, in the mighty name of Jesus. And there are powerful reasons. That's why I gave you seven today. There's many more. But there's seven that you can meditate on, chew on, and get ready. Get yourself ready. Take today, take tomorrow, you know, eat, spend time with your family, celebrate as we cross over into a new year. And then the second, let's jump into this and watch what God will do. Watch what God will do in your life. We're going to supplement you. We're going to give you prayer points every day of the 21-day fast that we're going to put on social media. We'll put maybe three to five prayer points each day to kickstart you in your prayer, uh, in your meditation, what God wants to speak to you throughout the fast. But then continue. Continue in your own time of reading. And of course, we've given you over 100 prayer points that are located in the app on the, um, on the, on the Miracle Word app that you can download at any time. Uh, to use in your own prayer life, but spend significant amount of time praying and fasting with us in these next 21 days. And God is going to supernaturally bless you. Let me say this before we go, and I'm going to pray for you. I want to encourage you before this year comes to an end to sow a financial seed to see things come to pass. Today's the final day. We've done the $10,000 challenge where we're believing God and uh, everything's being rebuilt in the studio, getting ready for television in 2020. And uh, I'm so excited, man. I'm pumped up. And so we want to encourage you uh, to sow a seed. There's multiple ways, as you can see on the screen, to sow a seed. If you're on Periscope or you're on Facebook, you can sow by using hashtag donate in the comments section. Uh, you can use PayPal. Info at miracleword.com is that email. If you'd like to use Cash App, our cash tag is MWGive. MW give. And finally, you can go to miracleword.com and you can sow a seed right there on the website, completely secure. All of your gifts are t- tax deductible. For every person that sows $1,000 or more by the end of today, we're going to be sending you a, a genuine leather, uh, New Living Translation that I'm going to sign to you to say thank you, that we love and appreciate you. I love that. I'm still, I, I like to use a Bible. Not so much an iPad or a phone, but I love to use an actual Bible. And I love these genuine leather, calfskin, goatskin leather Bibles. And uh, we want to bless you and send you one to say thank you for standing with us as well. Thank you, Kim, for sowing a seed. Really appreciate it. And so I want to encourage you guys. We're going to pray. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you today on this final day of this decade, literally. Get a seed in the ground that'll produce a harvest for you in 2020. And let this final day of 2019, a final day of this decade, be a day of sowing for you and for your family. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, speak to every man and woman that's watching today, and I pray that you would give them an instruction of a seed to sow on this final day of the decade to position themselves for great blessing in 2020. 
in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that as they sow their seed, a quick harvest is coming back to them and that this will be an upcoming year of divine, divine accelerated harvest, violent increase, expedited favor for God's people. We thank you for it. We give you praise for everything you're about to do in our lives that's going to be so supernatural that even the wicked will see that it was you working evidently in our lives. Give us a hunger for the things of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Give us a strength as we fast and pray these next 21 days. Lord, meet with us. Give us a divine encounter with your Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you. We give you glory and we give you praise for what you're doing in us. Thank you for using us, Lord. Thank you for making us your children, your sons, and thank you for giving us a divine inheritance. Use us and make us an impactful people in this new year. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that obstacles are moving out of our way and that our purpose is being sped up, expedited. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, whatever the Holy Spirit told you to do, take a minute and sow that seed. And we say thank you. Carolyn and I love you very much and appreciate you standing with us and sowing seeds, praying for us. Listen, I'm going to be outside of Atlanta coming this Sunday, this coming Sunday through Friday, six days of revival at World Harvest Church in Roswell, Georgia. And all the information's on the website, the directions, the address. I Thank you, Kathy, for sowing a seed. I wanna see you guys there. If you're anywhere close to the Atlanta area, and if you're not close, jump on a plane. Let me tell you, this is a great time of the year to use some vacation days and to come be in revival to prepare yourself for what God's gonna do in 2020. And this is going to be a powerful meeting in Roswell, Georgia at World Harvest Church. And I'm telling you, it would be in your best interest to make plans to come and join us. If you can't come the entire week of six days, come for a few days of it and be a part of what's happening. It's going to be a powerful revival in Roswell, Georgia at World Harvest Church. All of the information's on the website. Uh, we've even posted it on social. You can get the address, directions, everything you need is there, service times. And uh, I wanna see you in Roswell, Georgia. If you're up north and, uh, and you're waiting for me to come up north, directly after that's over, uh, starting on the 12th of January through the 15th. I'm going to be in the Bronx in New York City preaching uh, at, at a convention there. And, and if you, listen, all the information is on the website, address, times, join me. It's going to be a great, great, great January. And then I'm going to be joining my father in Raleigh, North Carolina on the 17th of January, one night only in the Raleigh Convention Center. Uh, that information is, uh, I believe, not only on our, our website, but tedshuttlesworth.com. And uh, if you're anywhere in that North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia area, uh, come and join us. Raleigh, North Carolina, Raleigh Convention Center, one night only, um, January the 17th. It's a Friday night, and uh, it's going to be powerful. Miracle meeting. And so I want to see you guys there. I love you. I'll be back tomorrow uh, in the morning. January 1st, New Year, 10.30 a.m. for our New Year's Day celebration. I'll be teaching on fasting and prayer again all week till Friday, teaching on fasting and prayer. I love you guys so much. Thank you for sewing. Thank you for those of you that went to the website and sewed. Thank you for those using Cash App. Thank you to the people that I see giving uh, in the comments with hashtag donate. We love you very much. We appreciate you. 
and uh, I'll be back again to talk to you uh, tomorrow morning. Have a phenomenal New Year's Eve tonight. Uh, for those of you anywhere close to my cousin Jonathan, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, join him uh, in Pittsburgh tonight. It's going to be a powerful meeting. Those of us here in Florida, we're going to be tonight at Abundant Life Church. Bishop Rick Thomas delivering the word of the Lord. It's going to be powerful. I can't wait. I love you guys. Have a great final few hours of this decade, and I'll see you again on the other side. I love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.